Welcome to Graging Acefully, a podcast of transcontinental sister friends discussing the art of graging acefully. I'm Amanda Topping. And I'm Kate Stroud. <laughs> and we're glad you're here today with your ears and all of yourselves. Uh, today we're going to be talking about aging, um, maybe not so gracefully via and through and around before, during and after perimenopause and menopause. Menopause. We both have um, kind of a lot to say on it, different experiences as one would expect with (laughs) major physiological changes. Uh, It's not going to be the same. And we think it's important to talk about it because one, a lot of us have grown up not knowing anything other than like, I think you get hot flashes and get bitchy and there's a lot more to it than that. There's been um, the societal dogma of which we've all embraced. And I think there's a larger spectrum of which is worth talking about. Mm-hmm. And also we are not medical professionals. Um, licensed, right. But we are not offering medical advice. We are just chatting about aging and menopause and perimenopause. Absolutely. Thank you for that reminder. Um, yeah, this is a conversation about our own unique experiences thus far, as well as, um, any information that we may have picked up along the way. But if you have questions, please see your medical care provider and uh, take care of yourself. You can also email us or message us and ask us questions, but it's going to be our opinion, not medical opinion. (laughs) Right. Right. Absolutely. Because we'd love to hear from anybody. So. Yeah. You know, one of the things, you know, before I, got pregnant and you know my story Kate I was trying to get pregnant for a couple of years but I was like even before I started to get pregnant I was really obsessed uh, by the body and what it does and so I was always reading whatever books this is pre-internet uh, that I could get my hands on that just talked about the body you know from the kind of uh, stock family home reader's digest uh, first aid guides that were in like oh, you ate it up you can yeah. everything Right. Going to the Ann Arbor library, fill up a book bag, you know, or a bag for $5 and getting all sorts of weird ancient medical texts. So um, the body's always really fascinated, fascinated me. And I kind of, you know, knew a lot before I got pregnant. I, you know, it was like, okay, these are the stages, you know, at week such and such, my baby will have eyelashes. Like those things were fascinating to me as well as the whole process. And, um, I kind of felt like before I got into perimenopause and menopause, I should be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I got busy. I got real busy because I had to move across the ocean. <laughs> and like dissolve your life of 25 years and move over with five. Yeah. 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 So that kind of got in the way. I mean, I had a little bit of knowledge and then, uh, but now luckily there's a shit ton of great resources online, which we'll talk about later. Um, so I'm really glad to see this conversation coming to the, you know, common knowledge culture. Uh, so yeah. So if, then it hit me that like, oh my God, I'm having all these symptoms and, you know, when we understand why something's happening, it makes us typically feel a little bit better about experiencing them, right? Like there's a, a purpose to it and that it's not necessarily terrible um, or, or like something's wrong. It can be terrible and be totally normal. <laughs> and I also want to say that um, I feel like it also gets a really bad rap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I would just kind of say like, 
this is why I love our conversations is um, because before I got pregnant, I knew nothing about the body and accidentally got pregnant on um, my, my wedding night, which is April Fool's Day 2000. So that's what I get for getting married on April Fool's Day. Um, but Y2K I, miracle. <laughs> it's, it's a miracle. Um, but I know that I, re- I researched more of like the the inter like the external stuff rather than like what was actually going on in my body of like, okay, what do I have to navigate to have this baby? Mm-hmm. Um, and although I'm fascinated with the body and the process, I got more into the um, heady emotional side. And just so everyone knows for full disclosures, Amanda and I built our friendship. Um, Amanda was very much into the body stuff and she would tell me about it. Um, and to the point where she, you know, was tracking her own cycles, but she started tracking my cycles. So when I would, but like not on pen and paper, I just had, no, not really on, head, yeah. head knowledge. If we, it's like, we saw each other and knew each other enough that I'd be like, when am I due for my period? And you'd be like next week on Tuesday, <laughs> I'd be like, cool. Cause usually you and I had sunk up together and it was around the same time. Um, and even when I was trying to get pregnant with my second of which you were not trying to get pregnant with your second, you're the one told me I was pregnant because you were pregnant and you know, I haven't had my period yet. So, um, (laughs) this is where our symbiotic relationship has gone really well. Cause I've learned a lot just through, cause I learned better through conversation than reading books. Um, and it was pre-internet as we said, and, um, well, pre-popular internet, I will say that, um, so a lot of my knowledge came through, you know, conversations and us having, you know, basically sitting at your kitchen table or me sitting on the floor of your kitchen, drinking coffee and, and having these talks, it wasn't, you know, and I had a number of friends also that were like, I want to talk about menopause, you know, after we had kids, cause we're like, you know, childbirth kind of sucker punched us as mm-hmm. far as we didn't talk about childbirth very much before you got pregnant. And it, and a whole bunch of us, you know, I've had a whole bunch of people say like, I'd like to talk about menopause, but yeah, we got all busy. We have mm-hmm. kids, we have jobs, we have all these things. And um, when you were saying, you know, you educate yourself on the symptoms and this, that, and the other, um, I have been very busy and had a lot going on in my life. And I've been more of the like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'll just stretch a little. I'll drink more water. It's fine. Um so I think there's a lot of ways to approach this. Uh, I just was giggling when you were saying like, you know, just researching it and knowledge is power. I was like, or, or just vague, act, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, seeing it and moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe moderate denial. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess. Optimizing my, you know, I optimize my diet. I optimize, you know, mm-hmm. stretching, movement, and this, like I know things. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of ways to approach this. Um, but that's why I also like try to get a podcast with you so I can sit and talk to you more. About it <laughs> I just need to talk to you more. It's cool. So let's do a podcast. I mean, right. And, and I will say that, you know, both of us, you know, come from this background of like doing birth work, being pretty crunchy granola in regards to our health, you know, dipping our feet firmly into both Western medicine and the other side, right? And also looking at like what we eat and how we move and a lot. And I think that's where I initially got kind of frustrated um, was I was like, oh, perimenopause. I think that's what's happening. Um, And when I look, it was like things, you know, things to make it a little easier. And it was like, 
you know, decrease your dairy and meat, you know, add a little movement, add a little self-care. I'm like, okay, you're what the fuck? Yo- you're a yoga instructor who's vegan. <laughs> yeah, I'm a vegan yoga instructor. I, I bike like 50 to 80 miles a week, you know, like I... I drink a lot of water. I meditate. I have a pretty good spiritual movement based. Like, okay, so what's the next level? Yeah. So like, <laughs> riddle me, yeah, I don't know how to fucking take care of myself any better. Uh, Cause I'm doing it all. But um, at any rate, that was frustrating. Um, what symptoms you're feeling? So, you know what? As I lick my finger to turn my notebook page. Um, Well, first, I actually um, wrote down a list of symptoms that I found online and in books. Not necessarily your symptoms, but just a list of symptoms. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to name, I'm going to read out this list of symptoms and I'm going to tell you the ones that I have. Okay, cool. Um, And I'll I'll try to make them yeah. So why don't you just make tally marks and you can also be like, yep, yep, yep. I don't know how many of these there are together. Okay. So first things first. Um, well, first things first, <laughs> back up. Perimenopause can typically starts around, you know, 40 after 40. Menopause, which is a full year of no menstrual periods, if you have your uterus still. Um so when you've had a full 12 months of no menstrual periods, that is considered menopause. It's literally just You're that. At that point. So yeah, it's a, menopause is like the day it's been 12 months. That's okay. menopause. It's one day. <laughs> Perimenopause can be, you know, seven to 12 years. Um, that's a long time to have symptoms that yeah. you may or may not be aware of. Mm-hmm. Or can be, you know, blaming on other things. Also, there is such a thing as like early onset uh, perimenopause, which is like really awful, you know, like teenagers getting it. Wow. Right. So they kind of like lose their reproductive years and, you know, have a lot of symptoms. And that's, it's, so that is definitely a thing. Be aware of that. Um, a lot of, I read a lot of stories about doctors and stuff dismissing younger women. Cause they're like, oh, you couldn't possibly have these symptoms because you're too young. And um, women in the medical culture. Weird. The medical culture never ignores women. No, never. And if you're a woman of color, oh my, mm. yeah, it's, it's a mess. You got no problems. So yeah, as usual, I read this stuff and I get really angry and the health advocacy side of me comes out. Um, So I'm sharing this information so that we can all help each other out. (laughs) So symptoms, Um, if you have uterus, clearly wonky periods, right? Mm -hmm. So they will be more or less frequent, heavier, longer, et cetera. They get super weird. Um, Bloating. And not just like a little bloating, oftentimes bloating where you're like, am I six months pregnant bloating, you know, that you're like really uncomfortable, uh, brain fog, um, the inability to, you know, kind of pull on words and stuff like that, which I feel like I do a lot. And my apologies if you're listening to this podcast, um, insomnia, huge one. Insomnia is a a very big, uh, common symptom of perimenopause and menopause, um, headaches and migraines. So these are typically kind of pop up again, uh, particularly if you have headaches and migraines around your cycle. So what tends to be the trend is during teenage years and during the twenties, um, 
people who have hormonal headaches, they usually start to ease up in the thirties in their thirties, um, and get a little better, you know, throughout that decade. And then when you get into perimenopause, you're suddenly getting the zinger migraines that you had in your twenties again. So that's a common symptom, these hormonal headaches, which can last for days, um, joint and muscle pain. Um, so this is, you know, can be just a couple joints. It can be many joints. It can be all over muscle pain. Um, so yeah, that's one, uh, the most common one that we know about culturally hot flashes and night sweats. Um, so hot flashes, any time of day, night sweats, obviously night sweats, uh, anxiety, increased anxiety, um, which is hard to discern whether it's just life because you're in your forties and you're typically doing a lot, particularly our generation. We're often raising children while taking care of an aging parent while, you know, maybe, you know, navigating our own career and relationships yeah, or so, without, without kids are like taking care of their older friends or other friends. Like we're hitting that age where people get sick and life yeah. stuff comes up and things get more complicated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot more caretaking overall. And so sometimes this increased anxiety that comes with these, you know, this physiological change is dismissed. Like, well, I'm busy or work is stressful or da, 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 da. But if it's like, it's suddenly ratcheted up and you're just like, man, I just don't deal with stress the way I used to. It's probably these wacky fucking hormones. Okay. Um, uh, Adding onto that panic attacks, more panic attacks, um, you know, uh, more extreme panic attacks. Um, so that c- uh, kind of comes along with the territory, um, vaginal dryness. Um, so as your hormones decrease, um, uh, particularly estrogen decreases, uh, vaginal dryness, you can get pain during sex, obviously chicken and egg there. Um, mm-hmm. lube is your friend. Lube and creativity, my people. Lube and what? Creativity. Oh, creativity. Absolutely. And creativity of like, Hey, this isn't working. Can we try something else? Right. And remembering that sex is not just sticking something in a hole. Intimacy comes in many, many different ways, including holding hands and watching a movie. Okay. Um, (laughs) Okay. Skin changes. So just overall skin changes, you can get dry skin. You might during perimenopause, um, kind of because all this hormone shit's happening. It's lovely to get acne in your forties and you're like, what the fuck? Um, so that's, <laughs> that unfortunately comes along with the territory. You may be partially dry and oily. It's good times. Uh, bowel changes. Mm. Maybe you're more constipated. Maybe you have more diarrhea. Maybe <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, anyone's guess from day to day. Well, this is also a little, a little, What I think of is like, you know, something I didn't know before getting into childbirth and pregnancy is like, when you have your regular cycles, um, one of the things that would happen before your cycle would come is your stools would get a little bit looser. And that's like the body's weird system, because when you're pregnant, right before you, you know, go into labor, if your body's like kind of taking that path on its own, loose and frequent bowel movements is part of the, um, you know, hey, we're getting ready to expel something out of the uterus sign. Mm -hmm. Kind of like putting those together of like, oh, well, if my hormones are all over the place and my uterus doesn't know what's going on, every once in a while, it's just going to be like, oh, are we doing something? Oh, we're not doing that party today. Um, So, you know, with the stools being all over the place, I mean, 
it kind of got to the point, you know, earlier on in my career, I started asking people of like, when you have your cycles, do you notice that you have loose and frequent bowel movements before your period starts? And it was like, all of a sudden we were all like, yeah, but nobody talks about that. Or like, <laughs> oh yeah, but I never thought about that. So understanding the fuller 10,000 foot picture, also why these things are happening. And when the hormones are changing and they're not making the, you know, we would like it if they were a little bit cleaner in their dramatic change from, you know, but we have the perimenopause that we get to experience where it's like, I'm just going to be a little chaotic for a while, but right. um, here's just, diarrhea. Now you've got golf balls in your ass for three years. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck getting those out. <laughs> Good luck to you. Drink some water, mm-hmm. have some Metamucil. Okay. Uh, just a few more symptoms. Uh, this is a long list. Um, hair loss and thinning. So that is definitely one. And if you've had a child before and you have your beautiful pregnancy hair and then it starts to fall out postpartum, kind of the same shit's going on here. Um, that hormone cocktail is just like, guess what? You don't need hair anymore. Um, so that can be one, uh, bladder issues. So the, uh, bladder urgency, um, leakage. It's more than just like, so pelvic floor health obviously, uh, tends to get, um, uh, a, a, a weaker. How am I saying this words, Amanda, uh, brain fog. So yeah, there's like leakage and urgency that perhaps wasn't present in your previous decades, whether or not you've had babies through your, mm-hmm. uh, pelvic floor changes, integrity the- yeah. And again, so we talk about like muscle and joint pain, your pelvic floor, obviously, are you know, muscle. those muscles are affected as well. Um, also an increase of potentially, uh, uh, urinary tract infections can mm. be, um, in that mix up, um, weight gain. And, uh, the last one is body fat composition changes. Mm. So perhaps you didn't necessarily gain weight, but you may still notice that your body's kind of morphing and changing shape. So menopausal women will typically kind of get in their midsection, just a bit thicker. You know, Mm -hmm. we're talking back fat, belly fat. Um, It's just, it's just changes, you know, Um, the redistribution there. It's a redistribution, right. Instead of being in your boobs and belly, it kind of goes to your midsection and um, we can take one prettier. Yeah. We're just like the stout woman, you know? Um, so I just want to say like, it's funny how many targeted ads on my social medias are like all this bullshit of like, Oh, fight, you know, menopausal weight gain and menopause donut belly and that, that, that. And I'm like, well, how about if I just say, this is what my body looks like right now because mm-hmm. I'm this old. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, it's it's hard, obviously, because I'm like, dang, my body looks different. I'm actually doing more than I ever used to do. And yet my body still looks different. So fighting the patriarchy one day at a time. One day at a time. Yeah. And, you know, it's that, like, instead of asking, how can I lose weight? It's how can I be, you know, comfortable and compassionate to this body that I'm in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of aesthetics going for how I feel and, um, which also, you know, I we could hear people say, I'm just like, well, it's also how I feel in my pants. Cause like, yeah, I totally get it. I don't want to buy new pants either. Um, but you know, there is something about embracing the change 
um, that's coming. Uh, I think it's, I can't speak to the long arc of perimenopause. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that and why yeah. you can't? Yeah. Um, and your so- ages when that happened. Cause I always get a little muddied about that. Oh, when, when these things happen, mm-hmm. your um, timeline, my timeline. Um, so I, um, am fully post menopause from a full hysterectomy that I received in January, 2020, um, when I had a stage four cancer uh, tumor removed that was on my ovary. And this was the second time I had cancer. So I've also been through, you know, the year before that I had been through chemotherapy. I had had two other surgeries before that. Um, and then before that, you know, before the surgeries, when I had stuff going on in my life, I also had stage three cancer that I didn't know about for who knows how long. So and what um, year was, were you diagnosed with the, with uh, stage three, the first time? The first one was 2018. So how old were you? I was, me do math. I was born 1975, five, six, seven, eight. So I was 43. Okay. <laughs> my 43rd birthday in the hospital. Cause my birthday was two days after, um, that's right. my, my surgery. Um, so I was all doped up. And you on. had the complete hysterectomy at 45. Okay. 45, I had the complete hysterectomy, but in between that, I also had chemo, um, which, you know, does a job on the body. Um, I mm. didn't have any super uh, residual, but like, you know, the, the, the chemo brain was a big thing for me of like, what's chemo brain and what's menopause brain, what's, um, right. you know, and um, it's, you know, and even before that, there were some stressors in my life that I couldn't tell head from tails on stuff that was going for on. Sure life was kind of chaotic. And so with the post hysterectomy in 2020, um, you know, it, it, it was a hard stop. I know exactly the last, it was so sweet, actually. Um, the 2019 Christmas, I remember being in Chicago, we were staying with my brother while well, I was in Chicago's Wheaton outside of Chicago. And we were walking and um, I started my period on like Christmas day. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> my uterus has given me a little last gift because my surgery was <laughs> on the 10th. And I was like, I know when my last period is like, I, I feel very blessed and lucky that um, I got to actually acknowledge it and sit with it and say, wow, this is the last time I'm doing this. And I used a diva cup. I was like, what am I going to do with my diva cup? I still have, it. I don't know. I'm like, I'm not going to give it to someone. I'm like, Hey, do you want a diva cup? I it's like saving it. baby teeth. You're like, why the fuck do I have these? I still have their baby teeth. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, why am I keeping my diva cup? But I can't, I'm like, I'm never going to bleed again. Like there's, I don't even have a cervix anymore, which I will say when I had my full hysterectomy, they didn't tell me that I was going to lose my cervix and being who I am and being in birth, I'm very curious. Like I had a relationship with my cervix, go, you know, check it out every once in a while. And when I had my full hysterectomy, I actually, I'm still mourning it to this day a little bit, but it was like, it was like a full couple of years. So I was like, I can't believe I don't have a cervix anymore. So, so um, you can deny to answer this, but I doubt you will. What does it feel like when you pop your hand up there? Um, it's very strange. Um, I don't, <laughs> people are learning a lot about us right now. I know if you've never put your hand, if you have a cervix and you've not touched it, wash your hands, put one foot on the toilet. Check <laughs> it out. It feels, it feels like, like the end of your nose. With a little divot in the middle. And I was like, I'm like, I am forever one centimeter dilated. Um, <laughs> after you have kids, like it never kind of goes quite back the way it was. 
but I, you know, very pro people getting to know their body and touching themselves. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I check out my cervix every once in a while. And, um, honestly, I haven't done it as much. I've been actually, there's a fear I have because, you know, I had sutures, I've, Mm -hmm. I've sutures in there. Um, and also one of the things that happens post-menopause is, uh, friable tissues. Well, that is the word that is used, but where, um, your mucous membranes can get a little bit more sensitive. Um, and for me, because I have a cancer history, sometimes if like, I have like, if I scratch, you know, if I'm, you know, checking out my vagina and I scratch myself, I'm more likely to, um, you know, have a little bit of blood or like, you know, whatever. And so I've, I've avoided kind of checking stuff out because if anything happens, I go into a little bit of a panic mode of like, sure. do I have cervical cancer? Cause I can still get like, it's like stub can I don't know what it is actually called, but like, even though I don't have a stub cervix, cancer, stub cancer. I don't know. I, for some reason that's in my head of like stub cancer, but <laughs> it's like cervical cancer even though you don't have a cervix anymore. And I'm like, I don't want to have it again. Yeah. But yeah. It's very strange. Um, and you know, I'm going to go this afternoon and be like, what, what is this really? I mean, so um, it's just empty, right? You just don't bump into the nose. No. Yeah. It's just kind of like, it's like, it's like a little pocket. Yeah. Hot pocket. Um, anybody knows me like that is like a little neurodivergence, which means there's usually a song or something going in my head at all times. And for some reason, hot, like, hot pocket theme song. It's like, yes. hot pocket. But at work, and this ties into it, at work, um, my coworker next to me, um, you know, he and I sat next to each other a lot. Um, He moved, but um, we'd sit there and I'd have a hot flash and just sit at my desk and be like, hot flashing. And he would just start wiggling. And I was just like, (laughs) acknowledging that I'm going to take my sweater on and off about five times in the next few minutes because I'm going to be like, I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm hot. And then I'll be like, I'm cold now. Um, (laughs) So... uh, so, yeah, so it, it, it's just kind of like, uh, it, it, and it's so weird for my head to wrap around that, like, it doesn't go anywhere, like it's mm-hmm. gone. Um, and so the friable tissues, like I can tell my skin changes. And so I've, I've been kind of thrown into like this warp speed of aging, which does, it's a lot for me to grapple with sometimes um, of because also for me, I'm like, oh, well, if I still had my uterus, would I look younger longer? Um, or would <laughs> like my joints feel a little less crickety longer, but it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't change this. So uh, the I, I do much more religiously now. Um, I make this like salve out of my comfrey oil that I make and all the and I slather that stuff down on me like I am a thanksgiving turkey every night i'm like let's just hydrate the entire body um i look like a greased pig on my face at night i'm like i can't do any like late night video calls or anything because i'm like i'm very shiny i'm perfect <laughs> um, with comfrey no <laughs> yeah with, with comfrey uh what is it jojoba oil comfrey uh shea butter and a bunch of essential oils but um but yeah. So, you know, being, being tossed into it. Um, one of the things I did have my mom, when she went through menopause, she said it wasn't a super big deal, but I also come from like a strong line of people who just are, our mantra is it's fine. It's fine. 
it's fine. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure, you know, and I do kind of believe her to some extent, because I haven't had hot flashes. I've had like more warm waves, I call them, mm. um, where it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling very warm. I've never had like the drenched in sweat kind of thing. So on the grand scheme of things, I've been a lower um, menopause symptom person, but I also didn't have to go through perimenopause. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, you know, at times like brain fog, but it's like, it's, it's so easy because all of this is happening at a stage of life for modern women, especially that there's so much going on that we could blame things in so many directions instead of oh. saying, is this hormonal? Um, cause I went through cancer, a divorce, a move, empty nesting, um, chemotherapy, like I, it, it's like, it's like a grab bag. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I can say, um, I am, I am an a, a empathetic, you know, emotional person. And I have noticed in the last year that, um, uh, and I'm not going to say my brain is clearer because it is not clear versus unclear. Um, I feel like I am, um, my brain just works differently now that I am like almost three years uh, post full menopause. Um, it's like, okay. It's kind of like, do you remember when we did the birth project and there was an article about, um, uh, neuroplasticity that was written of like, yeah, when you become a parent, you lose some skills. Like you become really like foggy and you know, you're just like, what the heck, why can't I string words together? But then you also have these superpowers that come up. It's like a Mm trade-off. So it's not necessarily like I've gone into deficit or I've gone into um, a better place or benefit. It's more of like, well, what's the trade-off? So when we're having kids, it's like, I can't string words together, but my reflexes are insane and my hearing and my ability to wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, you know, be able to deal with, you know, urgencies um, well. Um, But like the day-to-day grocery shopping list, I couldn't, you know, come up with it for the life of me mm-hmm. it's reprioritization um and it is you know within our bodies and our and our neuroplasticity and how our brain is wired and so there is a clarity i have um that has come and and it could be a lot of reasons clarity has has more come to me in the more recent years but um you know, there is definitely a brain difference. So we talk about like perimenopause and menopause, and it, it, it can be really a huge struggle for a lot of people and a lot of symptoms that are really difficult. But um, I think also at the same time, I think, you know, there's a Maya Angelou quote, how she talks about how things just get better as she ages. So I feel like there are these hurdles that we need to come through. And also we exist at, like you said before, in a patriarchal culture that has valued for women beauty and youth, youth. <laughs> yeah. and all this bullshit that is like, no, I'm a formidable fucking badass, regardless of where I am in maiden, mother, crone, perimenopause, right. menopause. Um, please do not pathologize me because of the natural physiological things that are going in my body. And don't make it all bad, please. Because I would, I, I, I would say there's a lot of strength that also comes through going through these phases and also accepting. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to not look young soon. You know, I still look pretty good. I'm, I still, you know, people are like, you don't have a 22 year old. I'm like, yeah, I do. Um, 
but I know it's coming and it's coming quickly. And so there's this like acceptance and ownership that also is empowering at a way, as a, as, in a way. Now, when I get up in the morning, do I feel like I can hardly walk because of my joints? And there are some things mm. that you know, getting up off the floor, like my joints have really taken a hit in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. And I also like you, I'm trying to figure out how to optimize, like drink more water. And like, you know, I hardly ever, you know, eat meat or dairy. Um, I do, I do fish and fowl. I'm not vegan like Mandy, but um, you know, it's this, it's this catch 22 of like embracing what your body is going through, embracing the suck of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also knowing you're not crazy and that it's normal. And I think part of it is like a lot of that. It's that it's been, um, it's been this, like the secret dirty, like menopause is like the secret dirty thing that older women go through. Right. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm going through some shit. And yes, some of it's really uncomfortable and it sucks, but it's not the secret dirty. It's also part of me like going into becoming a crone of which for me, I'm saying it's going to be a badass motherfucking phase of my life. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but there's, it's kind of like this, it's like, it's like the long, it's like, it's like seven to nine years. It's like, I, I kind of like, let's say it's nine years. Like it's nine months to have a kid, you know, kind of going through this process mm-hmm. of unfolding your biological self to be a breeder um, or a reproducer into, um, you know, closing out that phase with all this stuff. Um, and also I, I kind of want to say that being a neurodivergent person who the world is not built for the way my brain works, I would also say the world is not built for women's lives oh, and the reality and the power of women's lives where historically speaking, when women would have their menses and their cycles, they would be, they would go off into the red tent or the lodge. And a lot of, you know, cultures, that was actually a time where the women got together and were able to get visions from ancestors or the higher power. And after they were done with their cycles, they would go to the council and offer their wisdom that they acquired while they were, you know, having their cycle because it was actually seen as a sacred, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, the emotionalness or um, the, all of that we've pathologized it as a bad thing rather than being like, well, or are we just in touch with an extra layer of existence that this culture does not fucking value? It doesn't acknowledge. It doesn't even hold space for to the point that if I said this to people be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Instead of saying like, Hey, just sit and think about it for a minute. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Like this culture is a human construct that is not built for us. Right. It's like, it's like, so you're bleeding fucking go to work. Yeah. You know, or, you know, do all these things by yourself in your little box in your neighborhood. Um, (laughs) Well, the rest of us are doing the same thing in our little boxes in the neighborhood instead of working together as a community. So, right. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, with perimenopausal, symptoms you know i've read things that you know i'm mean, i read studies i probably read articles about studies you know like information regurgitated a few times over so i can't cite my sources but you know this thing of like if you happen to have like pretty bad periods pretty bad um pms um those folks often had 
a rougher transition through perimenopause, which kind of makes sense, right? If we have this kind of tendency to be kind of up and down with hormones and it, you know, having, you know, that kind of roughness that often. So if you are younger, like, so knowledge is power again. And so knowing what these symptoms are kind of can help you be like, okay, like you said, I'm not crazy because it does feel like what the fuck is going on? I feel crazy. My body, my brain, my responses to, uh, you know, my, my reactivity has changed. Um, so, you know, just those things to be aware of. And, and like you said, you know, like this is a culture that's not set up for women, like the more kind of quote emotionalness or the weepiness that might come with, uh, or the depression, or I always used to tell Greg, like, particularly when I was in my twenties, I did have like pretty bad PMS and, you know, it was just like, it's like the lifting of the veil where I just, everything was so, I saw everything for the, it's the painful reality of what it was, whether that was painfully difficult or painfully beautiful. It made me cry, you know? <laughs> and I was, and I'd be like, I fucking hate this. And he is such a lovely human. It was like, you know, we you consider yourself lucky that the veil lifts, even if it's just for a few days each month, you know, like that's a beautiful thing, you know? And like, how can I help you? Um, it's a good man. He's a good man that Gregory, um, I, I think but, also I just wanted to say real quick, um, you know, talking about, I think some of our, there's a lot of reasons I think there's frustration around menopause. A, it has not been prioritized in medical research um, mm-hmm. or normalized in healthcare. Um, but also I think, especially for those folks who have had children, um, we go through this phase of, okay, we had kids. And do you remember everybody's like, when do you get your body back? And I'd be like, <laughs> Um, never, never. <laughs> but it was like the first one was like one year after you wean your last child that was always mm-hmm. kind of like and then and then I'm like and then maybe so having if you if you've had children especially going through these phases of like you had your body you lost your body maybe you got it back you lost it again because you had more kids but then you know and then a lot of times as we recover from having kids is when the perimenopause starts and I think there's an exhaustion that happens of just kind of like when the Absolutely. fuck already am I going to get my goddamn body back? <laughs> and, and so like, and, and there's no answer for that. There's, there's just a frustration. And I did want to also say that, you know, <laughs> I did promise you that I would say this in this podcast, but you had mentioned vaginal dryness and, you know, after my, my um, hysterectomy um, and even before my hysterectomy, to some extent, like my libido just tanked. And I think there was a lot of reasons around that. Um, but after my full hysterectomy, um, it, it, it got pretty bad. And I was just like, I'm like, Oh my God. Like I really started mourning this loss of, um, my sexual self and like my ability to have an orgasm or whatever. And I was like, what the crap? And, you know, with vaginal, I'm like, I'm like, I think there was a day you and I were talking on, I was like, I can feel the breeze between my vulva and my vagina so dry. And it, it's just kind of like, I feel these changes, like literally, I feel, it feels like, like a breezy cavern down there. Um, but I will say, hot pocket, hot pocket. Um, <laughs> I'm not now. And uh, if it's breezy, that pocket's probably cooled off a little. Yeah, that's going to say it's, it's been out of the microwave for a couple minutes or a couple weeks. Who knows? You know, <laughs> like dry out and 
become a little bit cut because that stuff's not going to mold because it's not actually organically real. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will say as we're talking about these symptoms and, you know, having gone through that a couple of, you know, a few years ago, a couple of years ago now, um, but having gone through that, I, I can fully report that like um, these things are not necessarily permanent. There are some of these things that are temporary mm-hmm. that whether it is a, you know, a situational life change um, whether it's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it, but, um, you know, my libido has come back and it's different. Um, but it's come back and it's, you know, I, I don't have the, um, that the, the feeling that I had in that original shift of like, oh my God, like it's like tumbleweed in my mind. When I think about what was happening down there, I was like, oh my gosh, are there cobwebs? Um, mm-hmm. but it, it has turned around. And so what I will say is just because some of this is happening, the brain fog, um, you know, and vaginal dryness of like, yeah, you know what? Lube's a really good friend. Like find something that works for you. Um, especially, you know, and like the fright, like it's okay to like become best friends with your vulva and be like, Hey, you know what? You're going to, we're going to give you some lotion too. When we do the post shower rub down. Um, but I guess my point is, is that just because things are happening, um, does not mean that everything's permanent. You know, it, it, it could be something that you're cycling through and your body kind of recalibrates into its new place. Um, so yeah, speaking of just libidos, I, I had a, I had a friend who was also potentially going to get a full hysterectomy. She didn't end up getting a full hysterectomy. I think they kept her ovaries. Um, but she was terrified. She's like, I love being a sexual human and I don't want to lose that. And I'm really scared. And I'm like, I totally get that. I love being a sexual human. Um, but I also realize like a number of things need to be in line and happening for me to feel like being a sexual human because I'm also emotional. I'm a, I'm a, what do they call that? A demisexual now? Like my emotional, I need to feel emotionally safe and kind of being in a good place to feel that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I guess my point is, is like, just because some things happen, like I did have pretty solid brain fog for a little bit. Um, but even that has gotten better. And it, and, it, and there is like, um, my brain has rewired and changed and there's an acuteness. Um, there's a, there's a, there's an acuteness, not in a bad way, but like a, um, acute, acute in a good way, I guess. I don't know how, I don't have another word right now for it, but like my brain has settled into that out of the fog. So I think it's like we do talk about these symptoms up to a point, but I think there is um, also another step beyond that um, and these things that are also a, another layer of potential. Um, yeah. I mean, and then it's, it's been known as the change, right? And so if we think about, which I hate that, the title, but if we think about anything that changes, that is a transitional state, right? To change, right? Is yeah, it's a transition and that's exactly what it is. And there is, you kind of get to, you know, this new place, particularly once you do hit that menopausal mark, like when things start to settle, the dust starts to settle mm-hmm. that, yeah, you kind of figure out how to move forward, how to carry on. It's not mm-hmm. consistently, you know, all over the place, like it may be during perimenopause or, you know, in that first bit of menopause, it does 
settle into, you know, and then that's where a lot of people get back into a new groove, a more powerful groove. Uh, you know, when you're like, you know, you hear all the time, older women are saying like, I, the best thing about getting older is I don't give any more fucks. And I, and I, I feel that, you know, like, um, <clears throat> so it, I'm not a hundred percent there, but I'm a hell of a lot there. Um, <laughs> and it's you lovely. Yeah. And, I, I and, a, and a lot of people, a lot of women in particular experience rage during this time, because we start to realize that we have literally spent decades of our lives, um, kind of doing a lot of the emotional labor, if not all of the emotional labor and a lot of our relationships, as well as the physical care and, you know, feeding and watering of, of our loved ones. And so we get to this age when you start to get to that no fucks given, and then you're like, wait, why have I been the only one that's given a fuck? Why is all this landed on me? And I think that kind of resentment that broils where people talk about, like, you know, I look at my partner and I'm going to stab him in the throat with a screwdriver, you know, like there's just that real fucking rage of like you aloof shithead, you know, or they're teenagers or whatever, right? Like that's a very real thing. And it's because we've just been blitzing through life, mm -hmm. taking care of everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that is definitely a, a thing that like, again, a lot of like, self-awareness discernment and like realizing like you know that we are we are literally changing and so we have to create new boundaries for ourselves or you know to protect our our, our well-being mm -hmm. and if we've spent a long time being a doormat or a people pleaser like now is the time to change and it's nobody's fault but our own you know right. there um if we've made it really easy for folks to take us for granted who, right. whose fault is that well, I think it's also interesting to think about, like, because we've had children. You and I are coming from a place with this conversation of that we have had children. And there, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of people who go through this who haven't had children. Mm -hmm. And they're, what, what came to mind as we're talking about this is, like, just because you haven't had children and, and maybe weren't partnered, it doesn't mean that you haven't been doing emotionally heavy lifting of people around you, whether Absolutely. it be a family member. And for some folks, perimenopause, although they've decided not to have children, and menopause, it could be like also that like, wow, I made that decision. I can't go back mm -hmm. because people do have kids in their forties now. Um, and yeah, the give a fucks um, are definitely. Yeah, it, there, there is, there is kind of like, there's kind of like a double bird action going on here. It's just kind of like, okay. Yeah. I've, we've gone through, I think just like stepping into more of the power of, mm -hmm yeah, I'm a woman and I deal with all this crap and I'm dealing like, it's like I've dealt with periods since I was 11 and you know, I've had this cycle and now it's like, Oh, we're going to throw my cycle into a hurricane and you still want me to go to work and still be this person and still be this way. And like this, this lack of allowance for the humanness in our culture across yes. the board, um, which I, if you haven't noticed, I have a little bit of an issue with, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, and, and what I hate about it is like women in our age and our phase, like, gonna, oh, she's moody or she's bitchy. Or I'm like, how about I'm just not tolerating your shit anymore? Right. And I think also for people who have been around us our whole lives, where we have been the people pleasers, we have been a little bit more accommodating as we get into this phase of a little bit more like, fuck you, I'm not taking this anymore. Right. It takes the people around us off guard. And mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's why 
women who are all going through this phase at the same time, I've noticed, um, you know, we're getting together, we kind of understand each other. But then if I go to talk to my children, or if I go to talk to, you know, a male coworker, or, you know, uh, whoever, it's, it, or, or, or even family members, they're a little like taken aback by boundaries, boundaries by <laughs> the strength that I think comes out of these moments. So we get mm-hmm. a little bitchy and moody rather than being like, how about I'm just not taking your shit anymore? Right. How about I'm stepping into my power? And, and it is because you're dealing with a lot and you're dealing with a lot that society has diminished and you're dealing and like, I think we do start to get angry and we're like, no, I'm kind of over this. Like, this is kind of tipping me over the edge a little bit because I've been able to handle my cycles and I've been able to, you know, get the cute apps, whatever. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, 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 I've noticed that, um, as I've gone through this and stepped into my power, I've, I've, I have people responding to me in a way that I have to really check myself of like, no, this is me. And if this is me, if, if me is too much for you, um, if I like to think big thoughts, if I like to talk about things that are actually happening in my life, then maybe I'm just not your flavor and that's okay. Not everybody likes pistachio. Right. You know, actually, Absolutely. I would eat ice cream, I think. Because my daughter makes a little bit ice cream for me with a vanilla base that's amazing. Hot pink. <laughs> um, well, so. and on on that, um, oh, there we go, brain fog. Ha, rah, rah. <laughs> I had something to add to that, motherfucker. Anyway, that frustration is real. Oh, coming back, there it is, came right back through. So, um, again, not great at quoting statistics, but you know, when we look at, and again, this is women's lives and the divorce rate, the high, like the age group where divorce (laughs) happens the most frequently is between like 41 and 52. And I think it's because so many women get to this point where they're just like, I'm fucking done. I'm tired. I'm exhausted, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it's, or, you know, or that people experience like either divorces, relationship breakups, career changes, you know, like some point is reached. And I think that, and not to say that change, those changes are not necessarily bad and perhaps it needed to happen. And it just needed that, that bit of, yeah, the catalyst of of this change to kind of move away from things that perhaps weren't great or, you know, serving well anymore. But, um, and a lot of the times I think a lot of women in particular, um, have partners who are not supportive of what they're going through. Right. So yeah, they diminish it a a big time or they make fun of you because, you know, or they're frustrated. And I, so I think helping to educate our partners, um, our friends or whoever is close to us in our life, our teenagers, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I, you know, I will say like, y'all I'm having like a shit day. Everyone's an asshole right now. You're not, but that's how I feel about you. And, and so like, if you really need to talk to me, you know, approach me, you know, gently, I don't want to lash out at you. I don't want to hurt you, but like, I'm in a shit place today. And so if I can just say that instead of like, you know, gulping it down and being like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Instead, you know, it's teaching them to 
what is going on and to normalize it and how to maybe if they know like, oh, my mom, you know, my mom, you know, well, it's also empowering them that if they're having a bad day for whatever reason, that's not menopause, that they also have the right to say, hey, I'm in a shit mood today. I don't know why, because, you know, maybe it's because my daughter is her own PMS or my son has his own man cycling that will happen, which by the way, men do go through cycles. They're just different kinds of cycles, but they do exist. Um, If you live with a man long enough, you know that. Um, or you can see it sometimes, uh, but really also being the leaders. I, and I just do see like myself as this like Amazon woman coming into my older age and just saying like, this is the day I'm having and <laughs> you can navigate with me. I'm just going to give you the boundaries and the guidelines of like, I'm in a shit mood. So I wouldn't fuck with me today. Or today's not the day to like, you know, be poking the bear. Um, and, you know, and I have to say like my coworkers, I, I, I work in a little pod where there's like three women and two men and the three of us women, it's just kind of like, you know, they still have their cycles. And I know when my coworker next to me is having a cycle that, you know, I engage with her differently. And it's just, and, and it's also just that level of intentional being with other people Instead of expecting people to be the same every day, cookie cutter, whatever, but saying like, oh, yeah, I see where you're at today. And I'm going to work with you to optimize both of our existences in this space at this time. Um, And instead of asking people to mask how they're feeling or doing. Right. Yeah. A little bit. So you just tell me how you're doing and I can totally work with you. Right. I don't think that's a huge ask. And we all need to get better about have to pretend or mask or hide. I would love someone to say like, I am moody as shit today. I got really bad cramps and I feel like sleeping and I'm going to eat all these Twizzlers. Right. What can I do for you? So I know I'm not going to necessarily, you know, poke the bear or try to talk to you too much or, you know, whatever. It, it, it's also, you know, part of this is don't complain about the people going through menopause. Listen to them. And also within your space, say like, okay, how do we work together to, you know, navigate this space together instead of pathologizing them, telling them they're wrong, telling them that they're a pain in the ass. Like, I'm sorry, we all have our shit and it just comes in different ways at different phases. So learn how to be with people instead of judging them where they're at. Yes. Educate yourself. If you have a partner that lives with you, like make it like, just educate them. And if they choose not to educate themselves that that's something that's a red flag dude like I'm sorry if you you know yeah like you cannot if you can't meet somebody where they're at in a you know the bodily change that is beyond their control you -hmm. know like understanding again knowledge is power we understand why something's happening it makes it less scary less personal uh you know it's not directed at anybody it sucks you know and sometimes it's great yeah. and, and it's just like I, thinking about any change and I don't like this like comparison I'm making because it is kind of like disabling things which this is just more of a change that's happening but like <clears throat> if someone were to acquire a disease or lose their hearing or lose sight in one eye I think people who lived in the house would adjust 
to how that person walks through the world differently at that time. Absolutely. Like if you live with someone who has MS or if you live with someone who has a seizure disorder, or if you live with someone who's hard of hearing, or if you like, for me, when I went through chemotherapy, um, there were times I couldn't touch anything because of my neuropathy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, a lot of things had to change in the house that, you know, in the, in the house just kind of, you know, adjusted to it, or we tried to adjust to it. Um, you know, my daughter actually left a little note in the silverware box that said, no silverware for you. Because after I had chemo the first time, I picked up a piece of silverware. And neuropathy is anything that was cooler than my body temperature made me have like tingles, like my um, feet were asleep. And so if it was cold outside, my face would cramp up, like all this crazy stuff. And my daughter's like, no silverware for you. And we bought me bamboo silverware. So anybody who made the table knew that I had the bamboo silverware because I could touch it because it was, it it didn't get cold. Um, Right. So they made accommodations for make accommodations and understanding and, and also educating um, ourselves of how to navigate the world with people um, in those situations. Um, You know, and, and, and that's just empathetically learning how to live with another person, you know, um, regardless of what it is, whether it's neurodivergence or just, you know, personal preference or, you know, menopause or disease, you know, right. um, it's an empathetic way to exist with somebody. Um, so, yeah, if I, I, I think it's it's beneficial um, to not educate yourself about menopause in a vacuum because it does affect everyone like you live with. And it's, and the thing is, it's okay to talk about. Mm. It's good to talk about it. Right. Let's talk about it. Talk about <laughs> nacho cheese. Let's talk about it. I love so that. Any food references here. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So I want to um, skip to uh, speaking on um, hormone therapy. So, um, so often called hormone replacement therapy or HRT, um, many in the kind of, you know, pro <laughs> menopause space call it menopause, menopausal, uh, hormone therapy. So getting rid of the R because it so makes it sound like a deficiency. Like oh, you're deficient. okay. So just saying menopause hormone therapy, right. Instead of hormone replacement therapy. That's, that's real. You're, you're right. So again, like, whoa, words, power, right? Language mean things. Language mean things. So just that little bit of switch from HRT to MHT. <clears throat> so ooh, when was it this year in March, February or March? So I was having, I was having a lot of symptoms, most notably like it was like when I really looked into the symptoms, I was like, Oh, I've been, so I just turned 49. Um, but I realized I'd been having like a lot of symptoms since about 44 or so. Um, no hot flashes, but the other things and what got really big in the last year, um, was really, really bad, uh, joint pain. So, uh, my hands, my wrists, my elbows, my knees, my feet, um, the bones of my feet hurt. Like I was 80 months pregnant. Um, <laughs> I was like, it's like, Ooh, like so painful. And I was like, do I have rheumatoid arthritis? Do I have lupus? Do I have MS? Like I was seriously like, what the hell's going on? Like hurt so bad. And yeah, I'm a yoga teacher and there I am 
you know, at the time I was teaching like six yoga classes a week online and, you know, a combination of like slower Hatha stuff and then more, you know, faster um, vinyasa shit and like my ability to do kind of even more basic like even being in hands and knees killed my hands, being able to do something like crow or a hand balance, arm balance, like completely couldn't do it. I was in so much pain. And then, so it was like really difficult because I've had all this time to like really focus on my asana practice while feeling like I was losing strength and ability and mobility, mm-hmm. um, which really, you know, when you talk about like losing our sense of self or an identity, um, try not to align my identity with what I do, you know, but it's kind of hard if like my livelihood comes from moving my body and teaching others, you know, right. these ways of movement. So that got scary and it really hurt um, throughout and it would, it would come and go, you know, and I was like chasing, Oh, I need magnesium. Oh, I need to eat more greens. Oh, maybe I need to start doing strength training, which yes, all of these things are really good for us. Um, strength training in particular as you're going into menopause and in menopause is really important as women is the strength training yeah right so we talk about you know not trying not to lose bone density um so strength training is a big part of that it also just makes you feel really good um the balance yeah um and then another thing that was started to happen was i would have like these pelvic floor muscle flares so you like? know, you know, this, so this is like how I can make an analogy and I'm sorry if you've never had a baby before, but you know, when you're heavily pregnant, um, and I don't know if my, you know, my kids always damn near had their heads at my fucking, like, <laughs> I just got that spitball fucking pelvis. And so the babies are real low in my pelvis and I also have big babies, but have you ever got to that point in late pregnancy where you're just walking and you have to like take your hand and cup your vulva and apply counter pressure because it's so heavy? And sometimes I guess that happens with a menstrual period too, just like that heaviness of the pelvic floor, like it's achy and crampy and hurts. It's definitely something that happens like during labor oftentimes where you're just like, oh, there's so much pressure it's before you're pushing. Anyway, yeah. it was feeling like that, but like in the middle of the night, I'd wake up. Not to a hot flash or night sweats, but because it felt like my pelvic floor muscles were on fire and just like radiating. It's a heaviness. It's a heaviness and it it just hurts. It's almost like burning, but it's the entire pelvic floor. So I've had this like weird pelvic floor like sensations Mm -hmm. and I thought it, just to also people know, I have one more surgery coming up November 16th um, to fix my abs because my abs are broken. Um, and, and the abs and the pelvic floor are always tied together. So I always right. thought it was because of my, my abdominal compromise that I was having these like painful, I'm not going to say painful. Um, they, they were moderately, mildly uncomfortable sensations in my vaginal cavity that felt muscular. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the is going on? Right. But I, but I just attribute it to my other issues, but I don't know. It'll be interesting after my surgery to see if I still have that flare up every once in a while, because it does, it comes and goes. Yeah. It, yeah. It actually, like sticks. Well, and it makes sense. I mean, the pelvic floor is the bottom. We, you know, we think of like the core is just like the front of the abdomen, which isn't true. The, 
the yeah. the the core is like a you know like a peanut shaped <laughs> you know entity where you've got a top a bottom a left a right a front and a back it's a whole thing and the pelvic floor is the bottom of that or like peanut unshelled um well i guess peanut without a big divot in it what's something that's elongated <laughs> a dinosaur egg <laughs> a dinosaur those eggs you get that you put in water and the sponge dinosaur Aww. comes out yeah it was yeah it could be Okay, well, you get my drift. Like a, like a good and plenty. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Right, so that your core is like a good and plenty. You got a top and a bottom and a front and a back and a left and a right. So it makes sense that if one part of that, in your case, right? I'm in the good and plenty song in my head right now. All right, it's all relates to jingles. We were raised by television. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, that, that ended up being another... Uh, another crazy symptom that I was like, what the fuck is that? Why? Um, my anxiety was like through the roof. And then what ended up making me finally call a doctor was that then I started having really, really terrible depression. Um, and I'm situational or is it menopause, right? Right. Here I am. I moved abroad in the middle of a pandemic. I have no community. I'm stuck in a house. We had lockdown from once on end and, um, but it became evident that because I've had like a couple of serious episodes of like pretty severe depression in my life that, uh, you know, made me seek medication and therapy simply because it was, it was, you know, really tough times. And I was like, kind of scared at how awful it was. So I had something to compare it to. And I just felt like this is different, like that I like I would, I open my eyes in the morning and I'm just like soul crushingly sad, Yeah, you know, but I am me. So I get up and I'm like, Hey guys, time to wake up, get up. You know, your lunch is on the counter. I made some coffee. All right. What are we going to do? I got to teach it to, you know, da, 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 da. and then the inside I'm like, I'm going to, I just wanted to die. Like literally, you know, the apathy was almost bigger than the depression. Right. Um, the, and like, I don't, I don't even care. You know, I ended up, you know, like, okay, that's the last, so I was looking into it. And then what I was reading is that a lot of women are put on antidepressants during their forties and early fifties in these years, um, and find that they don't do any good because they're not mm-hmm. actually depressed. Right. It's like, it's their hormones or maybe they are depressed and plus, you know, whatever. Right. And I was like, okay, that makes sense because it didn't feel like the depression of the past. It was like, I don't, I can't give it adequate words, but it felt different. Well, and a lot of the times when you're going through this and like you said, there was not an option to stay in bed. There was not an option to call into work. There's just not an option wallowing in your headaches and your joint pain and your depression and all of it. It's like, your kid needs to get to school. You need to go to work. You need to get these things done. Food needs to be made. You need to do this thing for that person. And um, which again, goes back to my, the world is just not built right. <laughs> but yeah. And, and then, um, you know, and I grew up with a parent who was like really severely depressed and would go to work, but would also lay in bed and cry for hours. And then, and as a child, it was really frightening. Um, 
And I'm pretty sure part of my people pleasing crack and jokes thing is because I'm just like, please don't cry in bed for eight hours, please. Come on, let's get up. Let's, you know what I mean? And so like, there was a part of my head was like, I don't want to do anything for these people, but I also don't want to scar them for life. Right. Like, I don't, I don't want to be that person that sits in the dark or kind of avoids because I don't want that for the people I love because I know what that feels like. Yeah. Cause it's a scary thing to witness when you're helpless as a kid. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, long story long, uh, I ended up calling a doctor and thank you. NHS. Um, glad for this universal health care called and just, and, uh, said, I'd like to speak to somebody about, um, you know, potentially getting on hormone therapy. And they said, okay, we're going to do like a telehealth call. So I had a doctor call me back and she was incredible. And she was like, all right. And I just kind of cut her to the chase. She's like, have you considered lifestyle changes? And I was like, I'm a vegan yoga teacher of 25 years. I have a meditation practice. I drink maybe one half of a beer a month. Like, you know, like I have all some systems in place and this is just a huge, like, I am not me and I'm scared. I don't like this. Everything hurts. And, um, I'm really fucking sad and anxious. And she was like, okay, well here's, you know, she gave me a bunch of options. Of course, me being me, I knew what they all were. And I was like, I already know what I want. And she's like, okay, but I'm going to make you, (laughs) you know, take a day and think about it, you know, think about it. And, And she gave me the pros and the cons of, of, you know, the options she was giving me. And because I still have, uh, period, um, you know, you need something with both estrogen and progesterone. So you need both. Cause if you take just a, an estrogen thing, when you're still getting your periods, what happens is that the uterus continues to make a really thick lining and the progesterone isn't there to kick it out. And so you like really up your, um, the likelihood or the chances of getting ovarian or not ovarian uterine cancer. Right. Because so so I did end up getting a really low dosage, the starter dosage of uh, uh, hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. And it within two weeks really changed things for the better. Um, and s- like my symptoms really, the depression and anxiety cleared up almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, back to normal, <laughs> you know, I'm having a bad day <laughs> levels. Um or, you know, the anxiety, you know, because, you know, when I just catch myself, like, why the fuck am I anxious about X or Y? Like, that is the stupidest thing. I could be cognizant of it, but I couldn't stop the reactivity in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, the joint pain is went way, you know, if it was an 11, it's at a two now. Um, the pelvic floor pain is gone. I've still, over the last five years, have probably had five you know, night sweats or whatever. That is not a big part of my symptom picture. Um, so I'm really, really pleased with it. Uh, I know a lot of folks get on hormone therapy and find that they have to kind of like, you know, it's like taking an antidepressant that like sometimes you have to tweak it or try something different or different doses. Um, but I feel really fortunate that this has worked for me so far. So, um, Obviously there are risk factors. Um, so if you have, have had breast cancer or a family history of breast cancer, you're not going to be given hormone therapy. Um, another risk factor is getting your period, um, 
like young, like age nine, 10, um, for some reason that's linked to, uh, higher percentage of cancer cases, uh, with a hormone therapy. And then what else? Oh, if you have any issues of like heart disease, stroke, blood clots, um, other cancers, then you shouldn't take hormone therapy. Uh, that wasn't part of my health history. So, so far, so good. Um, <laughs> so I'm really, really pleased with it. If anything, like I could suffer through the physical shit, but like the mental depressive anxiety stuff was going to kill me. That's not to say I don't still have some shit days, but for the most part, it's good. And um, I just wanted to list a few resources of, uh, great people who are out there mm-hmm. speaking and educating on uh, perimenopause and menopause. Um, so uh, Dr. Louise Newson, she's a doctor here in the UK and she has a podcast. I'm sure she has a couple of books too. Um, another woman, Karen, Ar- I'm sorry, Karen Arthur. Um, she is on um, Instagram and her handle is menopause whilst black. So she's a black woman and she has an amazing podcast. Uh, so, you know, we're talking about disparities in healthcare, like mm-hmm. obviously um, we know how terrible it is for black women overall in healthcare, certainly during, you know, the childbearing years. And of course, uh, menopause. So Karen Arthur's amazing. Uh, Dr. Jen Huber, she is on Instagram at the menopause nutritionist. And so she speaks a lot to nutrition during, uh, these years based not upon, you know, trying to have washboard abs and look like you're 15, but instead just eating well so that you feel well. So I really like her stuff. Dr. Jen Gunther, she's probably more well-known. She's on Instagram as her own name. She's pretty fiery. I like she does often, she does the menopause minute on her account. And she does a lot of great uh, debunking of bullshit out there. So, you know, people who are- called the, the menopause manifesto. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, so she she's great. I love the way she cites her facts and studies and breaks shit down in a really smart way. And then lastly, there's a woman named Maisie Hill. She's also uh, from the UK. She has a podcast, which I believe she's in the middle of changing the uh, name of. She first wrote a book called Period Power about educating women on their periods. And she's also written a book called Perimenopause Power, um, which just kind of lays out a lot of like, just dealing with stuff, what to expect and a lot of different, uh, options out there. So, um, are you going to list all these in the show notes? Oh yeah. (laughs) Show notes. Let me figure that shit out. Um, that's a funny thing. Yes. I will list those in the show notes. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's all I've really got to say on it. Just, you know, Educate yourself, educate the people who are around you. Educate yourself if you're younger. <laughs> um, Let's, can, can, we, can we have a campaign to normalize this? Yeah. It's not please. the dirty little secret anymore. It's not the right. thing that older ladies talk in the, in the corners. You know, no, because you need to know out. what's coming. And um, before we started, I showed Kate my, you know, my Apple health app that is like my cycle tracker, which I've tracked my cycle for years and years and years. And now that I'm in the stage, like 
before the cycle tracker would give me a little notification, like you can expect your period in the next two days. And now it says you can expect your period anytime in the next three and a half weeks. (laughs) And like (laughs) most of the entire month is lit up in pink for days that I could possibly bleed. So um, I don't know what I'm tracking at this rate other than I like to look back and see like, oh, you know, here's a, yeah. I can look at how many days between my cycles and it's like 12, 37, 18, mm-hmm. six, you know, it's all the also changing. Yeah. 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 So when I was normally menstruating, I would typically bleed for six to seven days and, uh, four or five of those days were really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, um, I'm bleeding for 10 to 12 days really lightly. It's like a slow fade. Yeah. But then, but then the next month I could have like a five day period where three days are heavy and then I'm, you know, I'm done. I I don't know. I'm just like, expect, expect to bleed through pants at any time. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, for a long part of our existence, we, we do plan our lives around these rhythms. If we are lucky enough that the body kind of gets into that regular Mm -hmm. rhythm, people don't. Um, So also being, you know, the age we are in perimenopause, juggling, you know, whether it's career or career and kids, or if it's kids, or if it's kids and, you know, you know, our older generation, like the, the, you know, the sandwich generation where you're taking care of kids, but also taking care of your elders. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a chaotic period of life anyway. And then to have the one thing that's been kind of rhythmic for your life start to also get a little wonky and I, I think we do underestimate like how much planning and pre-planning and preparation goes into walking through this modern culture as cycling people. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to lose that predictability. And so also holding space for that mental shift um, right. away from that. I mean, I mean, that, that is most of it is just like, I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. I don't know, you know, how long or when, cause like mine was like, 27 days, I have a light day, a heavy day, a medium day, and three light days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you just kind of get to know yourself that way. Right. right, right, right. Plays into that again, the, you know, the not knowing yourself, you know, and then all these other planning things of like, yeah, don't wear white pants on this three and a half week stint or, you know, <laughs> because also like, yeah, I mean, the thing is, 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 periods don't necessarily give us a memo the morning they're coming. No. You know, there are signs, but also if you're really busy, you're doing a lot of things, or if you ate like, you know, some really salty chips the night before you're retaining some water or whatever. And so it's kind of always being at the, like I'm imagining right now, if I were to go out on a six mile hike and I wasn't prepared and ready for any time something happening, um, I could be one hour into a six mile hike and start my period. And that, if I'm not prepared, you got to get creative. Right. Um, so it's, it's understanding for those who don't cycle um, that might be listening to this. Um, but there's just a lot that goes into all of it. I think, I think we, we talk about stuff without sometimes saying like, there's a lot of layers behind this one thing I'm talking about. Mm. Um, so yeah. when your cycles get a little wonky, it's not just like, Oh yeah. Well, so yeah, you don't know when it's coming. I'm like it's, there's a lot behind that. I don't know when it's coming. Right. As, as uh, you know, aside from like the practicality of, you know, catching this blood somehow, there's also the, 
like you're saying, the mood things, the bloating things, the whatever your particular symptoms are. And when your cycles start to become crazy and irregular, where before you'd be like, oh, I know my period's coming and that's why I'm kind of grumpy today, you know? (laughs) And now I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I keep crying and swearing. And then my, my app says my period can come anytime in the next 47 days, you know, like it makes what was somewhat predictable. If you got to know your cycles or if they were regular, be completely, you know, and everything just feels really chaotic and kind of overwhelming. So let's normalize embracing that. That that is one. I mean, I'm not a big fan of having a full hysterectomy, but I will say there have been some upsides and that is one of them I've been very grateful for of like, oh, just moving forward. I'm just in it. Like I, I, yeah. I haven't, I, I've been very lucky. Um, I was really lucky to get a tumor on my ovary. No, I was not lucky to get a tumor lucky. on my ovary. <laughs> lucky. <laughs> but you know, you know me, I have into the shit out of everything. But the bright side, but, um, but to be very honest, um, I am very thankful for that, that, um, my moods are a little bit more straightforward because I don't have to wonder if it's menopause or if my period's coming at a random time. It's just kind of like, okay, well I'm postmenopausal. Nothing's happening there. Um, now I will say I do still have like um, interesting cycles. Like I do have hot flashes mm-hmm. um, and they do seem to come in these cyclical waves that. Well, um, just because you don't have ovaries doesn't mean that we don't right. have hormones. We're hormones. chock full of hormones and they're changing all the time. Um, and if I, if, if, you know, if Amanda lived closer, I'd probably make her track them for me, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just text me every time you have a hot flash. I'll, I'll take really? note. So we have some sort of, I'll send you a little hot pocket. A hot pocket gift, GIF? Are they called GIFs or GIFs? I don't know. Um, We need to wrap this up. We were talking so long. Um, Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways (laughs) to approach this. We've had the, this is the introduction menopause talk. Who knows? We might come back to it. If you have a question about it or want us to talk more about something, let us know. Um, Mandy is top notch on, you know, researching this kind of stuff and educating me over the years of which I'm very, very thankful to her for being um, my, my bookworm of this journey of my cycles and menopause and all the things. And also being able to let me talk about the, the, the breeze through my vulva. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm here for, Kate. <laughs> you know? Open up the lanai. Let's, <laughs> let's go you know have like the little drapes the the linen drapes blowing in the breeze <laughs> furniture can you please <laughs> affectionately call your vulva and vagina like the florida room or something i don't know it's in the florida room can you get my deck of cards anyway <laughs> <laughs> get cards in my florida room no pocket. Yeah, it would fit pocket. You definitely get a deck of cards in my vagina. Deck of cards. Who wants to play gin? Oh my gosh, this is really bad. <laughs> this ain't what you could fit up there. Anyway, lots of people have been arrested for smuggling in such ways. Anyway, when I worked in anyway. the prison, they said that they've, you know, that's a thing. That's a tangent. Okay, so next time are we could talk about birth. Isn't that what we like birth and like our experience of working in birth. And then then we're going to do a spooky session, spooky season. Yeah. 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 All the things. Yeah. 
Okay, all the things. Yeah. If anybody um, wants us to talk about something random, throw it in. No. We'll, we'll throw it on the topic list. What do you want to hear? What do you want to hear Kate and Mandy talk about? And um, thank you for those of you who have um, yes followed, subscribed, shared with friends, left us nice reviews. Five stars always helps on Apple. <laughs> For sure. And um, those of you who've just reached out personally and sent us nice little messages, we appreciate it. Um, but we did get a, an ask about birth stuff. And I just want to talk about ghost stories because it's the time of year and I got stories. Um, but lived in haunted houses. And people did say they appreciated chicken stories, but not today. Um, and lastly, to- yeah, okay. <laughs> let's um, wrap it up with the shit we want to plug. Miss, oh. You got a doula training coming up. I Online do- doula training. I have an online doula training, a donor doula training on November 5th and 6th. It's all day. But once you are done with this two-day training, you can go out and attend births as a birth doula. And you have four years from taking the training um, to decide whether you want to become donor certified or not. So um, if you have more questions about that, uh, you can check out my website, www.katestroud.com and shoot me an email. um, And I'd love to chat with you about it. Cool. Yeah. Oh, also, we have to close out really quick. Uh, What are you watching and what are you eating? Hold on. I'm going to plug my shit. Oh, 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 (laughs) shit. Sorry. She's got (laughs) I've got shit. I was all in the anxiety of like, we have to wrap it up. So sorry. If you want free yoga, you can go onto YouTube and look for Amanda Topping Yoga. If you want to pay your girl a little bit of money, $12 a month uh, for eight yoga classes and a couple extra things in there as well, including live Zoom yoga, um, you can go onto patreon.com and look for Amanda Topping Yoga. And if anybody in the U.S. has some sort of job they'd like me to do online, I'm here for you because I'm finding it really difficult to find a job in the U.K. And and I I can get up. And the benefit of me working here, (laughs) I'm up five hours ahead of you. So I don't know. You got some data entry, editing? I don't know. Send it my way. Reach out. Yeah, that's my plug. Get, that's my plug get, and my plea. Let's get Mandy a Mandy Mandy some employment. Let's let's Give get me a, a damn job. Okay. Yeah, I'm good at it. Um, yeah. Also on your Patreon, you do have like some recipes that you share, meditations, and other you know supplemental stuff too. That's really awesome. So it's Thank definitely you. worth twelve dollars on Patreon to support Amanda in her uh, amazing infinite wisdom. Um, Thank you. Um, but uh yeah so oh my god it's almost, we're almost at the two hour mark um no. almost yeah <laughs> it's all good um briefly i'm eating jalapeno hummus mm-hmm. and um i'm reading a book which is on the night table but i can't remember what it is right now it's really good at short stories my old neighbor busy sent it to me i'll tell you about it later i think you'd like it you what are you eating real quick um what am i eating uh I have been eating, um, okay, I've really been liking the Justin's uh, peanut butter cups, but they're not peanut butter, it's cashew butter with the dark chocolate. Those are amazing. I used to eat so many of those. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah, I've been cooking more, but I don't need to go into all the recipes I'm cooking. But, um, and what am I reading? I am reading, it is a very short pamphlet book called Going Into Business with Emma Goldman by Ari Weinzweig of Zierman's. So, um, it is taking anarchist philosophy and incorporating. I was going to be like that, Emma Gold. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. Oh, no. Like Ari, Ari's brain is 
I love his writing. He is brilliant. Um, so I did actually use my professional development at work and bought every single one of his books. Um, so I'm making my way through that. And so we are, we are talking about anarchists and business. So. Amazing. Wow. Cool. All right. Well, shall we end it here? Shall we end it? I love you. Fam. Thank you for that. I love you. And uh, thanks for listening all y'all. And we will be back at you next time talking about birth and what we did in the birth world and what we do in the birth world and probably have some good stories. How birth world you know, can be an analogy. Birth can be an analogy for anything in life. That's I like true. It. It's true. Yeah. There may be some all chickens right. in there too. Okay. Yeah. All right. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks. All right. <laughs>